Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week, in the red corner, it's time to see just how much truth we can handle, because it is what we want. It's Cruz versus Nicholson in this shouty courtroom classic as we talk 1992s. A few good men. Well, in the blue corner, if things seem too good to be true, they probably are. It's Cruz, sort of, versus Hackman, but not really, as he tries to outwit the Mafia, the Feds and Jigsaw in 1993's The Firm. Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know, that Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives, and my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. Mitch, we've just been looking for you. Can you step in here, please? Mr. Tolar's office? Yes, he's right here, Nina, transfer him. Uh, Mr. McDear? Uh, Judge Terrence, for you. One moment, please. Come on. Ain't going nowhere. Rudy, get to the front door. We're arguing the case for each film, so you better lawyer up for today's fight to the death. Let's battle commence. It's Clash of the Titles. Hello, Clash Butters. My methods of leadership are what brought me to this podcast. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. Ooh, big week this week. I'm excited. A few good men versus the firm Chris's choices. Hello, Chris. How are you feeling? All right, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Excellent. Back in the game. Back in the game. Yeah. Been a bit ill. Been a bit ill. Second bout of COVID. 
Not as bad as the first bout of COVID, so... Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Although, I did these, my notes before I got the COVID, and the brain fog that, that it does create has meant that I'm not sure what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> I could have, this could be anything. I could be about to say absolutely anything. Okay, well, these were your movies, so I imagine there is a reason behind why they've been picked this week. No, is there? I don't know that I didn't check. It's not my week. But we talk about them in the pub. Is there a reason we've gone for it this week? But uh, break from action movies. Yeah, yeah. that was the reason. Um, and, oh, this has obviously been on the ballot paper since we started, really. Mm-hmm. We've always wanted to do Few Good Men, could have paired it with some of those military courtroom dramas, but none of them were as good as this. And then Tom Cruise Lawyer seemed like a fun direction to go in. 100%. I was just looking for the tweet. We had a tweet from a, a, a listener. Well, I find it. V, how are you doing? I'm fine. Ne- need a bit more than that. <laughs> Gonna need a little bit more than that. Um, let's do a recommendation for How To with John Wilson. We're not getting paid for that. It's just really good and everybody should watch it. Okay, great. Thanks very much. Cheers, Jane. Literally couldn't be more excited as finally Clashbot is doing my favourite film of all time, A Few Good Men. I've waited for this since day one. See you Monday. Wow. That is now today. Jane. See, this is the because we're doing this two days later than usual, this is one of the only times we can actually have a reaction to what we've picked. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's why you're able to do of that. Course. It's nice. Yeah. All right, then. The clue I gave on last week's show was... No, Chris gave on last week's show was... Uh, law. Oh, yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> Obviously, we had a lot of guesses uh, for Dread versus Judge Dread. Uh, so, you followed that up on Twitter with. Well, we obviously. You got embarrassed about our clue. We shot a clue in the pub. Brilliant clue. I... Oh, with you in it? Yeah. Yeah, with me in it, yeah. Yeah. But you know, do you use it? He did Eventually, yeah, yeah. But he I just be strong armed into it. Why so reluctant? Mm. Um, it seemed deranged when I watched it back. <laughs> you were so into um, it. Uh, no, you I loved made it. You did it twice. I know, I know. Yeah. Again, Fellini over here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, also, I thought it, it, it gave away a few good men too much, right. and so I wanted to do something that was a bit vaguer. I don't know, or that connected the two films. And then I was saving it. What for were once you, we... you were yelling at him in the pub? What what rhymes with truth but isn't true? <laughs> I, I followed, just shouting words. Followed every instruction. Did exactly what he wanted, and then in the, in the edit, he was like, "No, it's I not working." I had a plan for it. It was to, it was always going to go live once we'd closed the contest. Mm. Right. <laughs> so you can check in with us on Twitter I, at ClashPod if you want to witness that work of brilliance. Yeah, but the clue I went with was that both our protagonists went to Harvard. That's correct. Not as funny. <laughs> Factually accurate. <laughs> so your guesses passed the bar exam and made it onto our Twitter at ClashPod. We're also on Instagram and TikTok at ClashPod. Uh, correct guesses. Thank you, Marion Baudet, Tim Wilkins and Russell. But our winner this week with the first correct guest, longtime listener and multiple winner, Andrew Logan. Congrats, Andrew. Your prize is a trip on an old-time Mississippi River Paddle steamer. They had specially designed hulls because the Mississippi River is actually a shallow river. Thank you, the firm. Who says you don't learn things watching movies? Uh, I would stress, Andrew, this is a virtual trip, so just close your eyes and imagine what it would be like. Connection section. I'll go first. Tom Cruise is a lawyer. Good. They uh, both went to Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. He's, he's playing the same character. Yeah. Um, Tom Cruise winds someone up so much that he gets them to say the one thing in anger that he will then use to undo them. So obviously the famous scene yeah. in... If you're gonna, but he does it to Ed Harris as well. Right. In yeah, the, the tape record. Yeah. yeah, the race course. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Um, he's introduced playing sport both times. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm really embarrassed. My, my, my only one That's is you've got Tom time. Cruise is a lawyer. <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise sweating. Yes. Don't always see yeah. that, but he, he sweats when he's making the big decision in A Few Good Men, and he's sweating when he's speaking to his bosses at the law firm about the FBI. And also, there's a very there's an almost pivotal scene where he's like some sort of sweat bat, where he's in the rafters of that room in the mm, firm, and yes. this massive, yep. just sort of blob of Danger sweat. sweat. Oh. Danger sweat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Mission Impossible scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blowjobs. Uh, I'm uh, all right, thanks. Let's crack on. Jessup talks about blowjobs in A Few Good Men, and um, Holly Hunter's character... Oh, if she's giving a does one. Well, she's she about does one, to. Yeah. She's about to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it counts. <laughs> I think it depends. depends on where you're sitting. It's just up in his notebook. No, it does count. <laughs> like, but all these little notches in here counts. <laughs> a girl once knelt down, knelt down between my legs. Yeah. Yeah. It was in hospital, but it still absolutely counts. <laughs> yeah. uh, right then. Uh, so on Thursday, uh, V is taking us through all two hours and 34 minutes of the firm. Long film, which means today I'm taking us through the positively brisk two hours, 18 minutes. That is a few good men. Let me take you on a journey. Caffey is a shit-hot lawyer. So shit-hot, he plays baseball rather than lawyering. Galloway is uptight and needs to loosen up, like a lot of female characters did in the 90s. Can this mismatched pair really bring down Colonel Shouty, who loves a blowjob analogy and just wants to get back to his base? They sure as hell can, with the help of Sam, who may have been bullied at school, which gives us a nice arc for him. When Colonel Shouty shouts too loud, they win! And naughty Marines that they were representing get acquitted and go back to their happy lives. No, sorry, the only life they ever knew is ripped away from them. See you in the bar. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Clash Butters, one and all, for your consideration. Have you good men? So, individual histories with this movie, Chris. Saw it at the cinema with my mates. This was an event movie in 1992 mm. um, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Although I do have a distinct memory of it's quite a long film, as you've established, and really, really needing a wee during the big finale and being in absolute agony because I couldn't go. Because you didn't want to miss the film or because yes, you were sitting in a centre seat? A uh, bit of both, yeah, right. yeah. If I'd been on the end, but even then, if if I'd been on the end, it was the, it was the moment, mm. you know. And it's quite a long scene, actually. Mm. That you can't handle the truth is about fifteen minutes long, mm -hmm. and so yes, the agony has stayed with me that 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 caused. So normally, do you need a wee in a film, uh, or are you um, right? more recently, say I'm at an event like Fright Fest, or we go to a screening? The there's sometimes the there's beer. sometimes yeah. wine or beer involved. Mm. Yeah, but sure. normally, no, I've got a normal bladder. See, I don't. I've got an incredibly small bladder, so I always sit on the end, and I've perfected getting to a cinema toilet and back in record time. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's a damp patch on the boxes, but I'll live with that <laughs> because I want to see the movie, and that's yep. the most important thing. That takes priority. And it's dark, so I suppose no one mm. would notice exactly. the patch. But yeah, what, well, I mean, I've got trousers on as well, which is the main difference. <laughs> and yet you've told everybody about the damp patch, and we would never yeah, otherwise have known. No one will No one will see it. I think it's the, the visual of a damp patch is the <laughs> moment. <laughs> Not the knowledge of one. Sure. Uh, and I don't know about your histories, I'm about to find out, but I was certainly um, knowing a lot of the lines before they were the said in the movie when I was watching it this time. Mm. I knew what everyone was going to say before they were going to say it because I've, I've seen it a few times, but also the dialogue is just imprinted on my memory for some yeah. reason. 
Wow. Because it's so good. So as you said, I'll follow up with this. Uh, Chris, you're right. It, this was a, a huge movie uh, when it came out, an event movie in what year? 1992. 92, yeah. Uh, so I watched it in 2015. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, weird. That's weird. It is. It is a little bit Big weird. Big Christmas movie, this one. <laughs> obviously, obviously, you you sort of know the movie already because there is no way you've not avoided that final scene. So I did know it already, but I realised it was a huge glaring omission in my movie CV. So what I finally sat down to watch it. It was amazing. I, I absolutely loved it. And this is only the second watch. And um, yeah, it's fantastic. Vicky. Uh, so similar. I watched it probably about 2000, 2001, um, but I've only seen it once. Mm-hmm. And obviously, obviously very blown away by the scene. But then when it came to putting it on this time, I was like, what actually happens? And I was like, I don't know the first half. And I was like, no, no, no I've remembered. Kevin Bacon's raped someone. <laughs> That's what I thought it was. Oh. And then it all came flooding back about the hazing and the cold red and whatever. But I really thought it was Kevin Bacon has been given permission by Jack Nicholson to rape someone. And that's what the thing is. Oh I know. Wait, are you confusing? Know. Is it sleepers? Are you confusing yes. sleepers <laughs> with, with a, a few good names? Same era. Same era. But yeah, a bit later actually. Oh, no. It's mm. fine. That must have been exciting, though. You're like, oh, yeah. Kevin's, <laughs> Kevin's been pitched as quite a nice guy earlier. Yeah. When's, How are when, they going to get this in? When's the third act turn happening? <laughs> Does he do it in the courts? Yeah. <laughs> They've not yet said the word yeah. rape. Why are they such good friends? <laughs> this is going to be one hell of a twist. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So I'll tell you a little bit about the film. Uh, This is Rob Reiner's biggest ever hit. Director Rob Reiner, his fourth appearance on the pod. Well, in the midst of one of the great runs, at the end of the run. Isn't it? Yes. This is. This follows up. You know. This. I mean. What. What a. What a run. Uh, I, I think there's. Uh, there's still a fair few movies of his we've got to do. Mm-hmm. You know. From 1984 to 1992. Spinal Tap. The Sure Thing. Stand by Me. The Princess Bride. When Harry Met Sally. Misery. And then a few good men. I mean, it's it's him and John Carpenter had the two greatest runs in film history. Sod you, Alfred Hitchcock. These are my guys. <laughs> uh, so the story is based on a real-life 1986 mm. incident Ugh. at Guantanamo Bay, uh, which is very much like the Code Red that we see in the movie. Um, the victim was a, a, a Marine named Willie who had snitched about a fence line shooting into Cuban territory. His fellow Marines, acting on orders, gagged him until his lungs filled with fluid. Unlike the film, though, Willie did survive the Code Red thanks to treatment in six different hospitals. Okay. So Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin, uh, was an aspiring playwright. He found out about this incident from his sister Deborah, who had served in the Navy's Judge Advocate General Corps on the team defending the accused Marines. And so it was her story that became the basis Mm. of his play, because obviously this was a play first. And the soldiers in question, are you going to talk about that at all? No, you go ahead. Yeah, so they... um they were deeply upset that this was being turned into a film because the the play and the film version has their victim dying. He didn't die in real life, so these soldiers were going to sue, especially there was one guy in particular. I think it was David Cox. Um, and around the time he was doing that, he was murdered. Was he? Yeah, four, four shots and it's never been solved, um, his murder. <gasps> um but yeah, because he was saying, I mean, it's, I mean, it's the story is so similar, isn't it, in, mm. in real life, in terms of the fact that they, what once they were getting court martialed, they all said, no, we did the right thing, we we are, we believe in what we did, mm-hmm. we believe in the code. Mm. 
Well, Aaron Sorkin believed in the story enough to turn it into his play, which his agent sold to the producer David Brown of Jaws fame, who brought bought the film rights even before the show began on Broadway uh, for uh, uh, what's described as a, uh, a generous... No, it wasn't generous. It was a mid sort of six-figure sum. Okay. This is before the play even launched. So it opened in 1989. Uh, Reiner was drawn to the story because he identified with the protagonist, Kathy, uh, because of his own dad, the comedy giant Carl Reiner, and having to live in his shadow and Kathy living in his father's shadow is why he wanted to make this movie. So Reiner and Sorkin spent eight months writing the screenplay. William Goldman... Uh, did an uncredited rewrite on this, uh, which Sorkin loved so much that he then implemented the changes Goldman made into the stage play. I'll talk about what those changes were. Mm. They all seem bloody good, uh, unsurprisingly, it being William Goldman. We'll get into those. That's interesting, because the interview I saw with Sorkin, um, he was saying that he made the cha- he came up with the changes. Really? Yeah. And then implemented them in the, in the play. Oh, okay. Well, I don't want to get on Sorkin's bad side. I'm a big fan. Yeah. So let's let's give it to Sorkin. Yeah, William Goldman did nothing. He put, added a few full stops. <laughs> so, casting-wise, Tom Cruise was cast first. James Woods auditioned for Colonel Jessup, uh, but it was Jack Nicholson who got the role. I can see mm-hmm. James Woods as Jessup. I don't know whether that's based on James Woods now or just James <laughs> Woods, the actor. <laughs> but Yeah, but he would have been a good Colonel he, Jessup. He'd have been fantastic. Yep. And uh, I found an interview with uh, with Jack Nicholson. It's weird. I've never because sort of by the time I started doing movie journalism, like researching movies, I, I never obviously Jack Nicholson had already retired pretty much. So I'd never really read an interview with him. Uh, and it's he sounds like a a hell of an interview. Yeah, he's not someone that did the junket circuit either. No, because this was an LA Times long-form interview. Yeah. Uh, he talks about why he took the role. He's like, there are a lot of short parts I could play, but I only do them when they are like Jessup in A Few Good Men, central to the idea of the movie. This part I chose because the people involved, I like them. So that's the sort of regular answer <laughs> mm-hmm. that he gives in this interview. Uh, <laughs> the journalist actually introduces the interview in a little paragraph before he starts the questions with Jack. as An interview with Nicholson... He presents himself as a man of unflagging appetites. He constantly crosses and uncrosses his legs, leans back, leans forward, catches his Armani-style sports jacket under him, wrestles it free, and alternates cigarette smoking with an aggressive picking of his teeth. Okay. I think that's a roundabout way of going, he's fucking high. (laughs) (laughs) He's restless. (laughs) That's what I read it as. I think they're saying unflagging appetites. Yeah. Okay. He's waiting for a bathroom Read between the lines. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Picking your teeth as well. It's that thing that you would just sort of go, I need to pick my fucking teeth right now. I need to do something. I really need to do something. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So... um, he talks about uh, the energy and the difficulty of playing the part, especially in that final scene. He talks about uh, how the cast uh, were re- weirdly reverential uh, towards him, which he, he spoke to Rob Reiner and he said he didn't like it. Like the minute he walked into the rehearsal room, people standing would run over and sit down because he's Jack Nicholson yeah. and he just wants to be a regular guy. Tough. Doesn't come across like a regular guy. (laughs) Try acting like a normal person. (laughs) Uh, I'll talk more about that interview as we get into it. Linda Hamilton and Jodie Foster were both up for the role of Galloway uh, before Demi Moore won the part. Uh, 
Sorkin says that a studio executive gave him a note uh, on the screenplay regarding uh, Demi Moore and the casting of Galloway. Uh, the note was, if Tom Cruise and Demi Moore aren't going to sleep with each other, why is Demi Moore a woman? I've read this and I love that, obviously, because that ticks a lot of boxes for getting me cathartically angry. <laughs> and I did read Aaron Sorkin's response and he's like, mm. it's not just, not just the job of a woman to sleep with yeah. Tom Cruise. And I love all that. I just think, this being my second viewing of this film... I don't think he's done feminism as many favours as he thinks he has in the actions of Joanne Galloway. What are you talking about? She doesn't sleep with Tom Cruise. She doesn't sleep with Case Tom Cruise. Close. But that's the thing. They're like, she's, wow. She strenuously I've... doesn't yeah. sleep with him. <laughs> I've won feminism. And it's like, oh, so close. Yeah. I'll talk about it. Did a he lot. say he's won feminism? No, he didn't say <laughs> Here that. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he did just say uh, women have other purposes than to sleep with Tom Cruise. That was his response. Yeah. How about not undermining Joanne Galloway every other turn? Doesn't matter. Doesn't mm. matter. We'll get there. It's the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> it was a different time. Sorkin did, though. Uh, he did write one draft, uh, which ended with Caffey asking Galloway out on a date after the trial ends. Uh, and he cited his dealings with Columbia as uh, the worst experience he ever had as a screenwriter. Working with Columbia. It was his on a first screenplay, wasn't it? So yeah. <laughs> plenty of distance left to travel there. Uh, finally, then Weinberg, Sam Weinberg, uh, they wanted Jason Alexander. Mm. Totally see that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but he was, uh, Seinfeld had just got renewed for a second season, so he became unavailable. So they went for Kevin Bollock. Uh, four Oscars. Uh, everyone thought it was going to be Jack Nicholson for Best Supporting Actor. He didn't win. Do you know who he lost to? It would be. It's going to come up in my couple of my. Was it Jim Carrey in the mask? MVWs for the reason they. Um, Gene Hackman. It was for for the amazing Unforgiven. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Little Bill Daggett in the amazing Unforgiven. Full title. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> great then. Shall we get into this movie? Yeah. All right. Lovely stuff. So we get the grim opening at Guantanamo where Downey and Dawson are given code red, a code red. Uh, they're giving a code red to Santiago. Um, uh, first things first, uh, Downey and fucking Dawson. I know. Come are you on. Kidding? Are not, you kidding me? Not only do they start with a D, they've both got a W in. I spent the entire movie yeah, no crossing idea. out which name and it's, correcting myself. Matter. Beyond my comprehension, I just can't. You're Aaron Sorkin! <laughs> Yeah, but it's his first script. I know, but still, Downey he's and Dawson. The, he's learning the ropes. He, <laughs> What's he, a joke? He famously wrote it, didn't he, in a bar when he uh, uh, in uh, the theatre where they were playing Sorry, Le yes. Cage aux Folles yeah. on, on napkins. And yeah. so he must have just lost track of the names on the napkins. <laughs> Downey and Dawson. It's it, 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 madness. <laughs> madness. So during these titles, uh, the titles of the movie, you get to see a parade of Marines doing some absolutely incredible rifle work, which is brilliant, A, because it's just brilliant to watch. Yep. It's hypnotic. And B, it shows us all how goddamn well-trained yep. Marines are. Tell, tells yeah. us who they are yeah. and what we're dealing with. It's it's a really useful opening credit it's sequence. fantastic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We meet Galloway, Demi Moore. Uh, now, did you hear that uh, she wanted the role uh, because it was genderless? Mm -hmm. Fine. She, mm -hmm. That's why she wanted the role. She agreed to take it for $2 million 
which was well below her actual fee she should have got paid at the time. Okay. That's a little bit annoying. It- Why not just pay her her actual fee? It's like... <laughs> We got Linda Hamilton over here, do we? Get a better agent. Bad agenting. Yeah. yeah. Do it I, for less. But I don't understand how the math works on this one. I don't, you know, you see on Wikipedia, it tells you what the budget was. And I think it says it's 30 million. But if you add up some of uh, what the people were getting paid on this film. Five for Jack. Yeah. Mm. Uh, more for Tom. I think he was on 10, wasn't he, or something? Something like that. Maybe yeah, she's on two. Um, you add it all up. It's like, did they have any money to make the movie? They, they do talk about the majority of the budget for this film did go on the cast, though. So that is where it went. But you're Not right. Not to be boring, but... Maybe 30 million was below the line and sure. the above the line didn't get counted in that figure because it would look gross and indecent amount of money, perhaps. Mm. I don't know. But, but yeah, the implication always is, is this was the full budget of the movie. Because also you've got adding Kevin Bacon and Kiefer Sutherland. Like, it's a stacked cast of oh people God. who were, you know, these were all A-listers. There's a, there's one room we'll come to. I'll, I'll, I'll mention it where I was. Just, I, I sort of got. It's weird. There were three actors standing in a room at one point and I got goosebumps at mm. those three actors. We'll come to it. So... Galloway thinks what happened at Guantanamo might be a code red and she wants the case, but she doesn't get it. Uh, Maybe because it's sexism? So... We were, Chris, you mentioned a few weeks ago on something we were doing about the Roger Ebert, the Tom Cruise plot elements, the essential plot elements that make a Tom Cruise film successful mm. and loved by audiences. Mm. That's so much fun. And one of them is The Superior Woman, which I totally understand. And Joanne Galloway, a really strong start with her. She is the superior woman. She knows more. She's got more experience. She's sidelined by this young guy who's come out of nowhere. We then find out because they think he's just going to take the deal and all the rest of yeah, it. Right. If she's the superior woman, She's then consistently undermined by the script at every single turn after he takes the job offer. And I don't understand it. And I find it hard because I'm watching a Tom Cruise movie and she's not fulfilling the role that I'm expecting. Yeah, isn't it partly because she's she's performing a task that isn't actually her job? Right. For a lot of the film. I mean, she's, yes, proving, that's true, she's yes. proving the decision right at the top of the show, regardless of whether he'd taken the plea or not, because she's too uh, emotional and emotionally involved in what she believes is the right case when she stands up in the courtroom, I guess, is the, is the best example. Mm. There's and a few. I mean, she stands up in the courtroom, she makes an idiot of herself. Even Kevin Pollock's character, who was there, let's just remind ourselves, to take notes and nothing else, mm. gets to have a go at her because she's <laughs> fucked up. Tom Cruise later, uh, Dan Caffey, calls her galactically stupid because of something she's done. And then... She makes one good decision, or in the the language of the film, she makes a good decision, which is bringing Colonel Jessup, and then she changes her fucking mind. Mm. So the one good thing she does, she's then like, no, no, I was wrong about that. So she doesn't get a moment. She's third on the poster. And I know this is a little thing, but on the poster, Jack Nicholson is staring at you like, I fucking dare you, motherfucker. And Tom Cruise is staring at you like, I'm going to get this thing done. And Demi Moore is looking over your shoulder. Like, she doesn't get to make eye contact with you because she doesn't have any big decisions in this film. Hmm. The changing her mind moment, though, that, that, that moment where she does change her mind, she goes, look, if, if it's not going to bite, then, you know, don't don't go for it mm-hmm. to Kathy at the end. But that A, that needs to be there for dramatic purposes. Yeah. And B... She is then fulfilling the role of the superior woman in a Tom Cruise movie because she's kind of A, protecting him, but B, kind of giving him that little push over the line. I think it's sort of, and, I think it's playing to his ego that it's like, you you, you, okay, you, won't, you won't be able to, you won't win this, so just back off. And he's and like, that makes I him fucking do it. will. Yeah, okay, and and also give her the, strategy, uh, the, the credit for coming up with the strategy they use to win, even if it's by accident, because she's the one that winds Jessup up so much over that lunch that he explodes. Yeah. And that's how they know that they can get to him by winding him up and he'll explode and say something he doesn't want to say. Yeah. Oh, and so. Know. 
I disagree with that. I think the lunch thing is... It, I walked away from the lunch scene, which thinking it was Kathy that did that exact task when he goes, yeah, could I get that uh, report as yeah. he's walking away? So that's the pivotal moment where you see Jessup actually wound up. So I think that moment belongs to Kathy. Yeah, but she does make him explode before that. But- I wonder if it's in the performance because mm. uh, Tom Cruise is amazing in this, but the, the superior woman is there to activate Tom Cruise because she's like, you're not doing your job. You're just playing sports and you're not up to this. And then you can see in his eyes, he's like, okay, actually, uh, maybe I will take this seriously. But that I wonder if I'm projecting onto Tom Cruise because he's just got there's like a little flinty centre in him isn't there where it's like he's not this useless playboy he is going to like do the job so she's activated him and he does the job and then it's a shame that the stuff isn't shared after that so that in that okay. lunch scene they've got this weird cute little double act thing going on yep. which I thought was going to pay off where it's like they're clowning almost to get Jack Nicholson to say something but really Tom Cruise is just telling her to shut up mm, yeah nobody likes her no that's what I mean Funny and he's like that's, that's fine I can buy that if it pays off to for a purpose. Mm. All right, well, we'll be coming to all those moments as we carry on through the film. Oh, I think we've done them. Yeah. <laughs> Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Anyway, we should meet Caffey, uh, as we've talked about him, Tom Cruise in his Red Sox cap. I always thought Tom Cruise always wore a Red Sox cap in movies. I thought that was his thing and like, because he's, he's got a Red Sox cap and I thought he was a Red Sox fan. He's not. He's a Yankees fan and he just swaps baseball hats between movies depending on the character. Yeah, I can't control what you think, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> that was wrong. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's, I it's thought me. you were going to be it's like the Mandela effect and he actually is wearing, uh, but but no, it's just something you think of him. And I think we've proved why I don't talk about sport. Uh, you do. Yeah. You talk about sport now. Yeah, I do. Love love Palace. Sellers Park's one of my favourite stadiums. So does Vicky now. I love it now, yeah. yeah. I had a really good time. Oh, I forgot. Chris yeah, took, Chris took me to the Everybody, Chris takes the, the shine football. off me. Takes the shine off <laughs> oh, my you trip. No. Hey, you were offered it. You I were both sitting there. First, me. first, yeah. So, <laughs> so after Grappergate last week, uh, my dad called. He'd had, he'd had some bad, uh, he had a tooth pulled and he was in pain, so he couldn't come. So I offered a spare ticket to the Crystal Palace match to my colleagues and Vicky came. Yeah, and I loved it. And it, it is, it's, you see in you, Chris, in your element, it's, mm. it's really nice. With my boys. With your lads, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Those lads, how old are they? What, 70 if they're a day? Oh, yeah. Fantastic oh, fun. Pushing. Yeah. 80 now. Just, just really, I just really, really loved it. I thought it was very special. Did we win? No. It was a draw, and okay. I was banging up at this time, and Chris is annoyed. But I, I tried to keep my voice down, but then I'd had a, a few 
um, beers. So um, it, we were winning until the literal 89th minute. Can you believe that? And then they equalised at the literal 89th minute. And like, we could sort of see it happening. And I was like, no, no, it'll be fine. And Chris was like, in a minute, everything's going to go so quiet. Yeah. It's going to be quite scary. And it happened about 30 seconds and it later. Happened, and it I, I felt like it I was just, like the start yeah, of a zombie you know movie. like. Coming. You could hear a pin drop and it just been all noise and talking mm. and it's ghostly and it's quite scary that no one is talking. So it's a draw that feels like a defeat. Yes. Anyway, enough, enough yeah. sports. You're happy. We're actually talking about football <laughs> on the podcast. It's, it's taken what over nearly three, three and a half years. Three and, and a half years. I think I think um Aaron Sorkin is telling us he's making a sports movie here. It's the first time I've thought about it in those terms because there's three, there's two sports we see and another, a third sports mentioned. There's constant sporting analogies, and this is a sports match. But this is two teams going at each other, building up to the big finale. You score an own goal, then you go out the other end and score, and then it's all about getting the winner in the final minute. And that's yeah. what they do. And it's got it's got the to and fro of of and the momentum of a, of a football match. And but does does Dan Caffey ever feel like the underdog, or is it because he's got yes. this team of yeah when he has his dark night of the soul and he's drunk and it's all over i think he does yeah. seem like an underdog there. okay okay so uh cruz is shit hot in this movie as a lawyer so much so that he enjoys playing baseball he likes plea bargaining but he is not primarily a trial well lawyer. he's never even been to court i was gonna say he's, we don't know if he's shit or a lawyer he's just good at negotiating and getting a plea bargain sure yeah he's yeah. shit hot as a uh, as a plea bargainer Mm. which is a, br- mm. a branch of lawyering. He's about to win a set of steak knives. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Glenn Gary, good Glenn Gary reference. <laughs> oh, so, uh, Galloway's not impressed with his, uh, his attitude. A couple of simple lines here that I love and make you go, oh, Aaron Sorkin, how I love thee. Uh, if this goes to court, they won't need a lawyer. They'll need a priest. No, they'll need a lawyer. I like that. <laughs> How is that so good? It's sort of like, it's, I sort of wrote it down. I was like, oh, I shouldn't read that. That's, and yet you watch it happen on screen. You're like, that's amazing. Yeah, it's brilliant. Oh, uh, And uh, with a similar uh, cadence and pattern, uh, the Marines at Guantanamo Bay are fanatical about what? Being Marines. <laughs> Love it. It's better than it's my feeling that if this case is handled in the same fast food, slick ass, Persian bizarre manner with which you seem to handle everything else, then something's going to get missed. Overwritten. <laughs> they can't Overwritten. all be gone. They can't all be gone. Lose the bizarre or lose the fast food, but not yeah. both. I, I've got so many examples, and I won't say them because it's boring, where he's he's used three examples. I hear me, me rewriting Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> but it's like, one's, do. one's fine. <laughs> <laughs> because now, I, I didn't even realise Sorkin was a word. Sorkin is a word. Mm. Um uh, I had an, uh, the, the is it about walking and using three examples when one is necessary? <laughs> yeah, I think that's it yeah. pretty much. Uh, so, meanwhile, at Guantanamo Bay, uh, how is this for a f- room of awesomeness and incredible faces? Nicholson, JT Walsh <laughs> and Kiefer Sutherland. Mm, yeah. Oh my God, what a room. Yes. That's my goosebumps moment when I saw them all together. Three men who have played some truly evil bastards. You're a big, you're a big JT Walsh guy, you? Aren't you love JT Walsh. I love JT Walsh. All right, we've got to do... Oh, yeah, I've seen that. He's one of cinema's most underrated villains in that film. He's phenomenal. Yeah, spoiler alert. But, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it like the final three? (laughs) No, it's the the final act. But at the start, he is Mr. Nice. So, yeah. (laughs) He's a great guy. I might have got it wrong. I haven't. So, we learn Colonel Jessup won't transfer the struggling Santiago off the base and instead plans a secret meeting with Sutherland's Lieutenant Kendrick to talk about Santiago being trained I'm doing inverted commas <laughs> trained uh, so 
We're meeting Jessup now. Uh, he really thinks he's a bee's knees. Uh, but even more terrifying, I think, he believes his own shtick. Mm. Yeah, he's insane, I think. Do you actually think he's insane? I think he's insane. At the at the lunch, it's all going like, I'm the big boss. I, I sit on the wall, all of that. But it's the moment when he does to Kathy, I need you to ask nicely. There's nothing in that apart from gratification or a rejection of you thought I was your father figure and I'm not because I'm going to do this horrible thing to you. And that's the moment. Only second time around, I was like, you are actually insane. What's, mm. what's joyful about watching him in this role is everything he says is really funny and really frightening at yes. the same time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the bit where he calls in his, I guess, let's call him a secretary for the purpose of this. Get mm. me the president on the phone. We're surrendering our position in Cuba. Yes, sir. It's awesome, yeah. He doesn't... Wait a minute, Tom. That's... Perhaps we should reconsider this plan. That's that, just... that guy's Joshua Molina, who's in almost everything Do you know Sorkin why? does. He, no. I think he, he, does, he, he says it as a funny story, but yeah. he says he's cast in so many. He was in, basically, he was in the play uh, A yeah. Few Good Men, which is mm. how he met Sorkin. And he says Sorkin's cast him in every film in some way or another because he once saved his life performing the Heimlich manoeuvre cool. on nah. him when he started to choke on is a burger. It? Wow. Mm. So that's why he believes Sorkin puts him in everything. <laughs> so, uh, Kathy now meets his clients, Downey and Dawson. Ugh. So, <laughs> Dawson uh, is the one who does most of the talking. Okay. Now, Dawson, did you read the story so, about how he was cast? This this guy, it's amazing. Yeah, because I remember this guy, and he did a couple of films after that, and then mm. disappeared. But yeah, he was yeah, just... he was his personal assistant. Yeah. Uh, he worked. He worked. Rob at, Reiner's assistant. Rob Reiner, sorry, yeah, yeah absolutely. Rob Reiner's assistant, uh, and Rob Reiner had this in his head that he had a certain look for Dawson, and so this guy, Wolfgang Bodison, is his name. Mm. Uh, he was a male boy at Castle Rock. He became Reiner's personal assistant, and then a location scout. Never acted before, but Reiner was like, "I want you mm. in this role." Um, like you say, he did a few other uh, roles afterwards. The biggest uh, is probably in Freeway, the uh, Kiefer Sutherland, Reese Witherspoon movie, directed mm. by our friend Matthew Bright. Yeah, who we I say our friend. We haven't actually done a Matthew Bright movie yet, but we should maybe touch on Tiptoes at some point. Oh God, <laughs> touch Tiptoes. Um, and Freeway is worth doing. Actually, Freeway's fantastic. Yeah, you've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of okay. course. Yeah, yeah. I actually, did I not make you watch it? This was a goldsmith's at that little video shop down on the uh, high street. Is, oh, it, Alice, is it Alice in Wonderland? What it's is, no, it's uh, um, Red Riding Hood. Red Riding Hood. Red yeah, Riding yeah. Hood. Yeah. Oh yeah. Kiefer Sutherland. So it's sort of a modern interpretation of, Ke- uh, of a Red Riding film. Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland seen, is like um, uh, the wolf. And... Have you seen Hard Candy? Can we do that? Yeah, why not? Sure. Let's do it. All right. There we go. All right, good. Lovely stuff. So, yeah, that's Wolfgang Boddison. Um, They are really good. He's really good, I I think. And I I also think uh, the guy who plays Downey. uh, James Marshall. James Marshall. Yeah, yeah. He's fantastic. Twin Peaks, yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah, they're so sympathetic. Mm. Like, you really do feel for them. And immediately after meeting them, you do go, these these are just guys following orders. Like, you you get that vibe from them. And their naivety. Unit, core, God. Country. Mm. I mean, they really ladle on the sympathy, though. The bit where Downey gets out of the car and goes, Is this Washington, D.C.? He's a bit much. He's a bit much, isn't he? He's a bit too Forrest Gump. A little bit. Is this Washington, D.C.? <laughs> How? Look How? at all these landmarks. <laughs> so he gets some mixed messages uh, when Kathy inter- interviews them. Uh, they were just going to shave his head, not kill him. Uh, we start here. Get a sense of them obeying orders and not going outside your unit. You've done the code. So we're back in Cuba now. Uh, Have you ever taken Dramamine? Works a fucking treat. I've never heard of it. It's uh, it's an it's an anti sickness pill, but it knocks you the fuck out. Okay. It's my last stop whenever I'm in LA. CVS. Grab some Dramamine. Boss, boss, boss on the plane. Sleep all the way home. Okay. 
When I said bosh, 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 that's not three pills. Uh, <laughs> I thought you meant you were stealing it. You know, like, you went into the chemist, bosh, bosh, bosh. Yeah, LA cops, I'm going to steal. <laughs> I'm definitely going to steal in LA. Jeez. Oh, some great sparring with Kathy and Galloway. Kathy doesn't like boats. Jesus Christ, Kathy, you're in the Navy. Nobody likes her. Lovely. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it got on my nerves. Uh, Kiefer shows them around the base in a Jeep. Um, interesting fact, while uh, Kendrick... Looks like a really solid marine. Kiefer Sutherland struggled to drive that Jeep and the bit where it drives between the two lines of marines marching by and he drives between them, he kept clipping them. It took 23 takes to get it done because he kept driving the Jeep into Can't them. Can't drive a Jeep. Apparently What's wrong not. with him? Uh, Kendrick says of Santiago, he's dead because he had no code and no God. It really reinforces this thing. Like you sort of hear that and it's like, fuck me, what a thing to say. But it helps, like this whole code and the mm. idea of orders. It's sort of like throughout the film, you were kind of like drip fed it so that by the time you hit yes. the climax, you are completely on board. It doesn't batter you over the head it, with it in one moment. But it is interesting where he's combining the military with religion as well. Yes. Yeah. Because that's the most terrifying aspect of it, isn't it? If, yes. if, you, if you believe you're on a mission from God, then the you, zealotry, can, yeah. Yeah, you can do whatever you want, really. Yeah, and it leans into the idea, because I think Kiefer's character, Kendrick, is from the southern states with yes. his accent. Yeah. And yeah. then there's that whole bit with Nicholson going, uh, talking about uh, Kathy's father passing a law that allowed um, yes. uh, uh, the black girl to, to go, go to, to a, a, yeah. a, a, a school. Yeah. Essentially Brown versus the Board of Education. Yeah. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. So uh, you sort of get an idea of what uh, Kendrick's all about. Um this incredible scene. I, I'd forgotten this scene because like you, I just remember the final bit. I, you can't handle the truth. This lunch scene mm. is arguably the best scene mm -hmm. in the movie. Second best scene. Yeah. 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 Second best scene. No, yeah, right, 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 fine, fine, fine. I did. I, I am an about it, but yeah, it is the second best scene. He's just a force of nature in this scene, Nicholson. Mm. It's unbelievable. Just watching him, it's like, it's, 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 I, 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 I honestly don't have words to really describe it for a podcast that's useless, but I, I was in awe uh, and I'm not an actor and I can't imagine what it must be like to be an actor watching him and just sort of being schooled in just <coughs> that. Did you notice he's nice to the staff? And do you remember when we did Chinatown? Mm. So what's the scene there with the fish, um, about having the fish and Jack Nicholson mm. doesn't get the fish first because he's a guest and all the rest of it. And it just put me in mind of that, which is like a little thing, a character thing, where he is showing that he's a great guy because he's even nice to the staff. He doesn't need to be their wait staff and all the rest of it. And he's like, I couldn't possibly have done anything wrong because I'm nice to a waiter. Mm. Just a little thing. Mm. Uh, you have to ask me nicely. Yeah. Wonderful. Mad. But Kathy's so, been so cocky and annoying, it's it's actually enjoyable watching him get taken down a peg or two. Yes, that's I true. I mean, it's not nice, the person who's doing <clears> it and the way he's doing it, but it's, it's you know, you, you, you build Cruz up to knock him down <laughs> and then build him up again. Although you can see in this moment, this is the moment for me when you think, Kathy's going to get into this. Yes. Like, yeah. he, his look is like, oh, okay, and, yeah. and, game and, on. And you mentioned it, but he has the Columbo moment as well, where he yeah. walks away and then t he, li he nearly <laughs> says, just one more thing. Yeah. I, I just need a, just one more thing, a copy of Santiago's transfer order. Mm -hmm. uh, so things start to happen. Um, we know that Kathy is really like, he's fixated on Jessup now because there's a Red Sox game on the TV. It's gone to the 10th inning, which is big in baseball, and he's not even watching it. He's thinking, he's thinking about Jessup. Uh, Markerson vanishes and they're like, you won't find him. 
you know what Markinson did for his first 17 of his 22 years in the Marines? Counterintelligence. There is no Markinson is gone. It, it feels like that feels a bit like naked gun. Like I feel like a bush to move in the background. <laughs> but the trouble is, I know you love JT Walsh very much, but because that is so like he's gone, he, he never existed. Like forget about him. Then when he pops up in the car, it's like hello. <laughs> it yeah. is a bit funny. Guess yeah. Do you know the bit it reminds me of? Isn't naked gun? It's this line. Brody's got friends in every town and village from here <laughs> yeah. to the Sudan. He speaks a dozen languages, knows every local custom. He'll blend in, disappear. You'll never see him again. It's Last Crusade. It's fucking the yeah, Last Crusade. Yeah, it's true. So Kevin Bacon's Jack Ross offers Caffey an amazing plea deal for his clients. This is what Caffey wants. Involuntary manslaughter, two years, home in six months. Caffey goes to see him and goes, great deal, yep. great deal. And actually, I said Caffey's definitely wants to take this to trial now, but he, he doesn't at this point. He wants them to take the plea deal and mm. he cannot believe that because mm. they won't be allowed to be Marines anymore, they're refusing to do it. They will not plead guilty for something that they did that was an order, not a choice. So much talk of codes again. Mm. Either of you got codes that you live by, Vicky? What's yours, Alex? Mine is... Lunch, dinner... Uh, <laughs> have a good time. Great. All the time. <laughs> Simon? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't believe I have a code. No. Have a I good time. You, I don't think you do either. <laughs> you must have a code. What? What? The things that I follow and do all the time. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I thought about it. I don't. Or, or words, well, that live by. words that you live by. Immoralist swine. Yeah. <laughs> have, a, have a good time all the time. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Mine are, Spinal Tap as well. A Robert yeah. Ryan movie. Yeah. Things yeah. are going to be okay. Is my moral code. Unless they're not. <laughs> Apart from unless when they're I'm not. involved. <laughs> So we see that Dawson does not like Caffey because Caffey's like, I get paid no matter how much time you spend in jail. I know you do. (laughs) Only mentioning it because it pays off towards Mm. the end. Not a fan. This is the only slip up because I do think Wolfgang Bodison is great in this role. I hate the way he puts his hands in his pockets. Okay. It's like a sullen child. I I understand the setup. I, I. I give it a pass because the payoff is great. Would you rather he crossed it? Because the point is he's not saluting, Yes, we should say. So uh, would you rather he crossed his arms or put them in his his back pockets? Real casual. Face the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Put them behind his head. (laughs) Put them behind his head. (laughs) Sit on him. Give him the Vs. That's what you would do, isn't it? Fuck off. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah, I see what you've done there. Right. Uh, Kathy says it doesn't matter what I believe. It only matters what I prove to Galloway. Because she's like, come on, let's take this to trial. And he's like, no, I don't want to lose. She calls him, <laughs> here's another example of more than one. Uh, use car salesman. <laughs> yeah. Ambulance chaser with a rank. You're nothing. Why use one comparison when you can use two? <laughs> Sorkian, um, an adjective um, in its own cinema lexicon. The trademark fast, intelligent talk from characters who often get in over their heads but are able to overcome obstacles by being quick on their feet. And speaking of uh, Sorkin, did you spot him? In yeah. The bar? yeah. Doing his yeah, well, rant? You can't miss him because he gives himself quite a long cameo. <laughs> that's, that's more audio than we needed, you know? <laughs> uh, so in court, though, Caffey does the right thing. He pleads not guilty for his clients. Um, it, mm. Oh, sorry. Just to go back two seconds, just to... Maybe I'm being sensitive. Yeah. 
First of all, Kathy has a long dark night of the soul goes to a bridge. Hate that. Do better, Aaron Sorkin. On one side is this life. On the other side is my mm. other life. A bridge. <laughs> Rubbish. Then he's like, I'm going to do the right thing. Joanne, bring the pens. It's like that. Is that it? Like she is you, just to say, Kathy, have never been inside a courtroom. <laughs> so maybe she can do more than bring some pens. No? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got a bigger problem with this and I think it's me being an idiot, so please feel free to correct me. But why is it a big moment that Kathy goes not guilty? Because it makes it out that that's his decision. And surely if his clients have said, we refuse to accept a yeah. plea deal, he is obliged on their behalf as their lawyer to say they plead not guilty. The, the decision was he could... Um not recuse himself, whatever it is. He could say, when the judge says, what do you plead? I'm no longer their lawyer. Yeah, that's what, that's what we think he's going to do when yeah. he stands up. Okay. I mean, we know he's not, but that's the way they've set it up. Yes. Right, right, right. So, it is a correction, that is me being an idiot. Uh, a, a lovely bit of flavour here. Uh, the only thing I have to eat is Yoohoo and Cocoa Puffs, so if you want anything else... Bring it with you, okay? With the pens. How, how Bring does... some shopping and some pens. If that's all he eats, he wouldn't look that good. True. Yeah, if yeah. that was your diet, it's you wouldn't look like Tom Cruise. It's such a swizz because often, often you see very cool characters, very good-looking leads, yeah. having like snacks like that, yeah. and you're like, "But no, mate, I, you eat leaves. That, you eat leaves and protein." <laughs> <laughs> so. We get this nice subplot here about Sam wanting to quit because he thinks they're guilty because they beat up on a weaker person. So I said it in my little synopsis. I think it gives the idea that Sam was bullied at school or yeah. has been bullied at yeah. some point, And so that's why he doesn't like these guys. Yeah, I, I don't really. Yeah, I'm not sure about his character. I, I think feel he's, yeah. I would just go out on the wall and say I think he's completely redundant. Yes, I would collapse, these, collapse characters. these characters. Um, because also he he's set up at being very good at his job and then he's not good at his job. He doesn't prepare for the witnesses properly. He doesn't do anything. No, and he, he, he doesn't. Which is why I find it so galling that he gets to admonish Galloway. I, I 100% agree. Because he hasn't done anything. No, he shouldn't be there. Yeah, but I think he's a little bit in love with Kathy. Not, yeah, li not yeah. literally, so it's like, oh, Kathy's having a pop. Yeah, Kathy's right. You yeah, did do you're wrong. rubbish at this. Yeah, shut up, Galloway. <laughs> did I do well, Kathy? Yeah, it's that. And then whammy. One hour and we're in court. The trial begins and you know I love a courtroom drama. The big question I had right now is, is it going to be better? than Legally Blonde. <laughs> That's the bar. That's the line in the sand as far as courtroom dramas go. So we start calling witnesses. Uh, great quiz question. Um, not for us, for a pub quiz. I'm not saying you'd do something as stupid as this. Uh, how many movies have Tom Cruise and Cuba Gooding Jr. been in? I think most people would go one. Two. Two. I know, two. Oh, right. I just watched this fucking movie. <laughs> All right, sorry. No, they did Jerry Maguire as yeah, well. Yeah, you, have you not seen it? No, it's, you haven't seen good. it. Jerry Maguire's good. It's actually really good, isn't mm, it? Yeah, they're Cameron, both really Cameron good. Cameron Crowe, yeah. good Venezuela work. Yeah, really good. You had me at Hello, you know it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you completely. Show, <laughs> yeah, show me the bunny. Yeah. yeah All yeah. that stuff. Put the, put the money back in the box. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Everything. Great. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Why didn't you just put the money in the box? Yeah, we got it. Good. Rob Reiner's uh, Spinal Taps, mate. Christopher Guest shows up as a doctor. Being great. He's brilliant. He's so but good. everyone in the hot seat is so good. Yeah, it's true. Kathy uh, <laughs> and Galloway go out for crab uh, because uh, they're in Washington, D.C., where there are crab restaurants, <laughs> seafood restaurants. So I got confused because I kept thinking they were in Boston for some reason. And they're not. Because he went to Harvard. Right, yes. there you go. Uh, do you want a fact that it took me bloody ages to dig this up and it's such a boring fact, but it is quite interesting. Uh, so, Those are opposites. I know, I know. Those are I know. Pick one or the other, Sorkin. <laughs> uh, 
the cafe that they go, the restaurant that they go, the seafood restaurant is uh, actually the now demolished Port Cafe in Wilmington, Los Angeles. It is the same restaurant, just dressed differently from the start of Harry Met Sally. When I Harry recognize Met Sally. it. Yeah, mm. you can kind of tell. Can you? I felt like I could. I think no. Yeah. Have I you, think have now got, I've said have you got it. it written down? No. Let's check, check Alex. No, check. no, I haven't. I haven't got written down. You win. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, wait, I strenuously wait, have it written down. <laughs> <laughs> what movie were you going to say? Like, was it? Was it? Well, it's when? When? When Harry met Sally? <laughs> no, I knew it. Yeah. But again, another moment where it's, I know they're not on a date and I know the point of a female character in a film like this is to shore up the ego of the male character and I'm not going to have a gripe with that. But then he says to her, doesn't he say to her, I think you're exceptional. And rather than her saying, thank you, she says, no, you don't. <laughs> it's like she can't even. <laughs> the film will not, at all costs, <laughs> let her be good. And I found it so great. <laughs> More witnesses. ER's Noah Wilde. Yay! So, so, yeah, looking great. Uh, Kathy uh, does a clever switcheroo with the handbooks, beating Kevin Bacon about what isn't and isn't written down for Marines, like that moment. Uh, the stakes are raised as we get close to seeing Jessup again. Kevin Bacon says if Kathy accuses Kendrick or Jessup of a crime without evidence, that's a court-martial. It'll go on his record. His lawyer career is over. More jeopardy. More jeopardy for Kathy. Uh, we get a little moment where Kevin says he doesn't want to see Dawson and Downey go to jail. I think that's just in there so it makes sense at the end when Kevin turns out to be a decent bloke. Sure, yeah. A little bit of like, he's not actually a bad guy. He's just doing his job. He's following his following own... Following orders. Oh, well, and, and that's what a legal defence is or mm. a legal prosecution. Like You have to do the job even if you don't agree with it. Mm. So, Kendrick takes the stand. Oh, Kiefer Sutherland is so good in the scene. I don't quite... Oh, I don't know what it is. He's good at being a bad guy, but this sort yeah. of like Bible thumping thing. Maybe it's the, do you know what? Maybe something as pathetic as like I wasn't quite with the accent. I just didn't quite buy it. Hmm. I don't know why. No, it's fine. I don't know. It's fine. We get the introduction uh, of the logbook uh, here. So this is the logbook uh, that is failing to document the flight that Santiago should have been on if Jessup's orders and what he says is true. So there's two logbooks. This is the big difference with Sorkin's play. So Sorkin's original play, this logbook is the smoking gun. Right. It's this logbook and this doctored logbook that undoes Jessup's argument. And it was either William Goldman or Aaron Sorkin through the rewrites in this that removed the logbook as the reason that Jessup gets discovered as uh, yeah, he, he, he giving in, the code In the red. play, he tells them about the doctored logbooks in, in his suicide note. Right. That's Markinson. How, yeah, that's Great. how it comes out. Right. So that's what Kathy uses to win. But obviously in this, it's just Kathy's ability as a, as a lawyer. Sorry, That's huge. It is, isn't it? It's huge. I mean, it, it gives him a hero moment that he wouldn't otherwise have. It's just and, it's someone else. But into all that dad stuff and that's massive. Mm. Yeah. So the original play, if you'd gone to see it in 1980-something, I can't remember when it opened, mm. but uh, it would have featured this as the, the big reveal. Okay. And Tom Hulse in the lead. Mm. Am Amadeus. Oh, right. So we're getting closer to the big moment. One hour 50. Everything goes wrong at once. Markinson kills himself. <laughs> Downey reveals that he'd never heard the code red order from Kendrick. God, I get Downey and fucking Dawson. Because Joanne Kendrick. is a moron because she didn't ask him. That's the thing. He's her witness. He's her, sorry, he's her client. 
and she hasn't prepped her client. She's running it through. See, women aren't that bright. She never once says to him, just double check him. This is very important. And the film even goes to even more lengths that when Kevin Bacon starts in on him to elicit this information, Tom Cruise writes down in front of her what is going on or what is he doing? And she's got, she's like, question mark, I've no fucking idea. Doesn't she try and eat the piece of paper? <laughs> so she's not even like, oh, I've just remembered I didn't ask him the yeah. one question that I should have asked she him. She tries to eat the piece of paper and then falls off a chair. In the <laughs> <laughs> you know, <sure. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Again, just film doesn't do her it. any favors. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Kathy next a bottle of whiskey. Mm. Drunk Tom Cruise. Drunk Tom Cruise. Uh, he says, oh, "We seem to be out witnesses." So I thought I'd have a drink, a little drink. Uh, then he does his big monologue. Galloway leaves. Kathy then apologizes. He's like no drunk I've ever seen, but he did make me laugh, and he was supposed to make me laugh, so mm. it's good. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah, I don't think any of us have ever got... You monologue a little bit when you're drunk. <coughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. You're a little bit like Kathy in this moment. You just get very argumentative. <laughs> I should do what Galloway does and just leave. <laughs> I should just... I'm sorry, as Galloway does, leave, fall down the stairs, get, get a hand stuck back. in a letterbox. <laughs> Goes to work at a different place. <laughs> Falls into a lake. <laughs> Why, why is she Mr. Bean? <laughs> she swallows a bee. <laughs> you crazy yourself off. <laughs> <laughs> there shouldn't be as funny as this. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I just, just, I just got an image of her walking into like a low bar, just banging her head. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the script. The script doesn't do her any favours. Uh, <laughs> have you got that written down or have you only seen <laughs> no, it because of me? <laughs> I've only seen it because you started this. This film doesn't do it. She's made to seem stupid. Galactically stupid. I bet <laughs> Debbie Moore was so proud of this movie and then when she listened to this podcast, she's going, like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, they fucked me. And I got paid nothing. <laughs> Why did I do yeah. this? Chokes on a word that's original. <laughs> right, let's do this. Uh, Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Jessup in the house. Following morning, uh, Kathy doesn't seem to have a hangover, which really annoyed me. I wrote yeah. that down. Yeah. I wrote that down. Sick, didn't say it out loud. Sick perverted. I guess, you know, when you're younger, maybe. Sure, fine. Uh, he needs his bat. It's in the cupboard. What does he see? His uniform's hanging up. He's got a plan. We don't know what it is yet. Uh, I do like the pep talk. We talked about it at the start. You said where she's like, you know, if he doesn't go for it... Don't do it. I do think it's a little bit of a, a, a bit of a catalyst to make him. If that's go what it is, it. I like it. If it's her just once again being rubbish, <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, uh, it's the uh, one hour. Oh, I did it wrong. Spit it out, Alex. Are you all right? <laughs> What's the matter? Sorry. Do you want some grappa? Is it the bee? It's just a, I'm, just, I'm very hot all of a sudden. <laughs> very hot. Uh, so here's Jackie. <laughs> He's so good in this scene. Uh, begins well. Even the start is good. Yes. Yes. Just monosyllabic answers. Uh, Weinberg showing up with the two men in uniform. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that was added. Mm. By Xorkin. That made it into the play afterwards, wasn't it, initially? Yeah. Um, please tell me their lawyer hasn't placed their hopes on a phone bill. <laughs> Love him. Uh, the pause where Kathy remains silent 
Now, I think this is intentional. Tell me what you think. So the pause when he remains silent so long mm -hmm. that Jessup gets up to leave, I think we're meant to believe Kathy knew mm. he would infuriate him to the point that he'd stand up and leave just so he could then go, sit down. Yeah. 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 I think so. All right, good. Good. Um, oh, God. These lines. I'm not going to do them all, but they're just, they're, they're, they're just so good. The bit where... He's made to sit down and then he has a go at the judge and he's like, he's like, I don't know what the hell kind of unit you're running here. And the judge goes, and the witness will address this court as judge or your honour. I'm quite certain I've earned it. It's like a good hmm. moment. Yeah. It's really nice because it sort of shows him slightly unravelling now. Like he's losing everyone. Kiefer Sutherland said he came in on his day off to watch this being shot and he said he looked over and Bruce Willis was standing there watching it as well. <laughs> he said people all, from all over were coming <laughs> and to I, stand on the sidelines to watch it. The judge is brilliant because, mm, very good. bear in mind, earlier on, Jessup says to his assistant, get me the president. And he goes, yep, no problem. So you think, oh, OK, this is a man that if you if he says, get you the president, get me the president, you do do that because you can do that. And he's in Washington and he's seen a few friends and all the rest of it. So if he, if he seemed completely untouchable, you wouldn't ever believe that he could be undone. But when a judge says, you remember your position in this courtroom, it starts to seem possible, which is important. Otherwise, mm. you're just not going to be invested mm -hmm. in the argument at all. Sure, that's it's great. Yeah, I didn't think of that. I just knew I liked it, but that makes sure. sense. The, the stuff about Jessup packing his bag and making his call before he leaves and Santiago not doing that. Yeah. That's the third thing that was added in to this script that's that wasn't in the play. Thing. It's such a good thing. Yeah. Because it does it's so perfect because it doesn't win the case for them at all. No. But it just puts enough doubt in there that yeah. it's just it's all starting to build. And also in a courtroom drama where we actually know that the big bad guy is bad because he's already lied. So yeah. at the lunch he says, Well, we we we're gonna put Santiago on a plane and you know that that hasn't happened. You get a courtroom reveal, which is satisfying because you have expectations of a courtroom drama and you want the, the rug pull and all the rest of it. And so you get that satisfying moment, but it doesn't cloud the narrative in any way. 100%. So it's a boxing match now, though, to, mm -hmm. to go back to my sporting analogy. Sure, yeah. It's a boxing match, and it's a really fun one because it, it's, it, it does swing back and forward for the next sort of 10 minutes. It does. It does. It's um, just, it's just uh, like on the page, when you're writing an argument, you're like, okay, I start here and I end here, and where you go is up to you. But this is so tightly written that you couldn't, if you moved one word, the whole thing would fall apart. So it's action and consequence in the dialogue. And I bet he shifted things around like the building blocks of it so many times. And then you've done that amazing thing. But you can get two actors that aren't up to it and you could get a director that isn't up to it and it would just be ruined. But everything comes together. It's just so yep. brilliant. Apparently he did that speech over 50 times and he was absolutely exhausted uh, by the end. Sorry, his performance, not the speech, the whole uh, courtroom performance. Uh, just to get extras reactions, Nicholson would do it at full pelt mm. 50 times. He said, he, uh, I felt very drained. I think I'd start crying, to mm. be honest. Well, how much did he get paid? Five million. Five million. So it worked out ten days' work. Yeah. So that's two hundred fifty thousand. All this contract said was whatever Demi Moore's getting. I just want double. <laughs> I don't care what it is, but it needs to be double. Because I think Pollock. Where is she, by the way? She's, <laughs> she's locked. She's got locked in a storeroom. <laughs> she's all method, Demi. <laughs> I think Pollock said that on, he asked Nicholson on those days when you're getting paid um, five million dollars for ten days, do you ever press the snooze button in the morning? Uh, but Nicholson did say to him, "I'm worth every penny." Yes. Yeah. He, said, right, he said in this instance, I was worth every, and it's true actually. When you look at how much this movie made, what was it? Two hundred over two hundred million from the thirty million budget. Mm. Five million going on him. I mean, he is the special effect. Yes. He's the reason we're coming back to this film over and over again. Well, I am. You two might in the future. I don't know. One hundred percent. 
Uh, I, I interviewed Tom Cruise uh, and he talked uh, a little bit uh, about shooting this scene uh, with Nicholson. I'll play you a segment of that interview now. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! <laughs> I mean, oh, come on. just... When we went to shoot that scene, what interesting that happened is that everything became more and more focused and more and more powerful as it went on so that every time his eye moved, it was daggers and it was perfect. It was something on those days where you go, ah, I'm gonna cherish this day. It's like, I'm sad it's over, but you just feel like we got it and it's there on film and uh, it was very special. So that's Tom Cruise talking about how special it was being involved in that scene. Um, I've also got a little clip from uh, Kevin Pollock uh, talking about it. Now, I think it was in the pub last week. You mentioned you didn't like the face Tom Cruise pulls when... Oh, the lip twitch. The little no, lip I, twitch. Chris said, do you know why he does a lip twitch? Mm. And I said, it's a power move. He's like, it's like a car, like like revving up. Mm. And then you were like, no, no, there's a big story. And I was like, well, don't tell me because I don't actually know. So I was talking about, I said that I liked the pout. Yes. Right. So uh, this is Kevin Pollock talking uh, about what was going on when Cruz was doing his line on camera and Jack Nicholson was in position behind the camera uh -huh. in that moment. So he does a little bit of a, uh, a warm up first, but this is Kevin Pollock talking about it. It was impossible to not dial in on what Tom and Jack were doing. I remember a sense of having to remind myself, hey, you're in the scene. Act. When Tom comes in, he has that moment where Nicholson just got done saying, You're goddamn right I did! Jack decides in this moment. And as Tom is coming in, Jack is doing this. Kevin Pollock's pulling a stupid face. <laughs> Literally. Just messing with Tom. In Tom's most important moment in the film for his character, for the audience's experience, Tom didn't break. And then in the moment Rob yelled, cut, Tom, like, smacked Jack in the shoulder, you... You know, that was the tone on the set. High drama being filmed and shenanigans and, and a great deal of just ease and comfort and playfulness on, on Tom's part, but also on Jack's part. You've, you've spoiled that moment for me now. Sorry. God, he talks slowly, doesn't he? <laughs> Bloody hell. Way to stretch out an anecdote. <laughs> it's all he's got is a few good men. Yeah. If you've ever listened to his podcast, he's been interviewed, it's literally the all he's got. The thing is, I just choose to disbelieve it. I believe it's a man going, I am. I know what I've got to do, and I'm just starting the engine. I don't believe he's not trying, he's, he's not trying to laugh. I'm not having it, so I don't care. Well, when I... <laughs> think about is that what his podcast is like is it is it six hours long it's just him doing impressions like right. he's got three really good impressions one of them is jack nicholson one of them is jack nicholson because you'll say that nicholson was was stuck around and he was doing all these bits for for the extras and other people kevin pollock says that when nicholson wasn't there he was sitting in that seat doing his jack nicholson impression yeah um to help to help the other actors and that rob reiner said that when he was in the edit he couldn't tell when it was nicholson and when it was pollock really <laughs> whatever whatever kevin I saw him do his Jack Nicholson on a talk show. It's Conan. Did you do the, the Conan thing about his mum hitting yeah, on Jack Nicholson? But the, it, the impression's not good. Yeah, I, I watched that. I think the voice is better. I think when you see him doing it, because I watched the he same clip. That and big I was, face, yeah. yeah. And I think maybe when you just hear it, it might be better. But he is yeah. quite a good he is quite a good impersonator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just not a good comedian. Sorry, go on. <laughs> it is a shame. He's like, I'm in this scene. He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> not really. <laughs> yeah, because he does a he does a little bit of a, the self deprecation that he he, he does there um, yeah. in that interview, doesn't he? Because he goes, you know, you look at this cast, and I'm like. I'm where's Waldo over here? Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. okay. You know it then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right then. So uh, this is great. So uh, it's revealed. Uh, Jack Nicholson ordered the code red. Jessup ordered the code red. And he stands up at that point and he goes, I'm going back to my base. Such a such an important line, I think, because it's like he wants to go back both where he's all powerful. Yeah. And both where I think things make more sense for him. He wants to go home, yeah. Mm. He's a bit nervous, yeah. so he wants to feel safe. Yeah. But like the two men on trial, he d- he doesn't really understand what's happening. Mm. Yeah. He can't he can't believe that this is playing out the way it is. Yeah, all you did today was weaken a country. I'm going to rip the eyes out of your head and piss in your skull. So I don't like that moment. Why? Because that is like, let me try and get my thoughts oh, in like order. A, like it's like an action movie villain. Yeah, it's like I'm angry with you and I'm going to threaten you with violence and it's quite com- it's quite comedic what I'm saying. Like it's over the top violence. You're not actually going to do those things. So you've lost your sort of professional demeanour, which you have had, even though you've been shouting, you've been sticking to formal language and, and all the rest of it and you've been responding as a man sort of aggrieved by an injustice. And then when you say I'm, I'm going to rip off your head or whatever it is, it's like it's just silly like drunk talk almost. Mm. I like it. I feel like this is who he is. He is yeah. this animal. Yeah. And we're, and we're finally seeing it. the facades dropped, you know, and I'm sure he was an animal on the field of combat. Yeah. And now we're seeing who he really is. So that's I, true. Yeah. That's what he was like when he was fighting. Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Good. I'm glad we talked that through. Right then. The verdict. Downey and Dawson are dishonorably discharged. Uh, Try that we again. did that on Thursday. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's sort of sad. It's a sad moment for them. It's a stressful moment because we all know that uh, you know veterans and mental health is a is a big challenge, and I feel really stressed for them. And I think the way to make it better, and they do seem like good kids, and they did a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's important for the film because, as Weinberg has said, they're bullies, and they've sort of realised that the, this bullying behaviour is not normal and it's not acceptable even within the military. Yes, but uh, Dawson's got his mum and dad there. And that's to make him seem like a nice kid, a nice boy. And they say to the legal team, we just want to make help our son kind of thing. So I think if he got a cuddle from his mum, I wouldn't feel as stressed for him because I think oh, someone's going to look after him. Mm. But when you said, like, see you in the bar, you're like, that, you, that's the end of your life. Like, it's really, really stressful yeah. for the two of them. It's also, it reflects badly on uh, Galloway because um, Downey has asked her earlier, we're, we're going to get, yeah, she get to go back. And yeah. yeah, she lets him think that he's going to. And mm. so that's a bad thing that she's doing and there. No, let's yeah. add it to the list sure, of she, bad things. I yeah, but she just swallowed a postage stamp <laughs> in that scene, hadn't she? She, she was just drunk dead all. <laughs> she was meant to lick it, but she just swallowed it. Because um, Kathy's like, if you got the stamp I asked you to lick and she's like <laughs> Yeah. But you know, and it's a bit on the nose, as a lot of this is, but you know, when he when 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 um he says we were supposed to fight for Willie and it's like Yeah. Yeah, I know. You were you were, uh, but we do get the uh, the earlier pockets payoff as Dawson salutes Kathy voluntarily. I love a pocket payoff. <laughs> <laughs> We've spoken about this at length. I know, I'm not what supposed to do it in public. Stupid film, Virtuosity. Yeah. That was a pocket wank, wasn't it? What? You don't remember. When we did Virtuosity... Wait, you went to see it in the cinema. Was someone in the cinema? Um, that could have happened. I don't know. But um, when we talked about it on a podcast yes. right. in which you, I believe, were present... Yeah. I don't remember a pocket wank. There's a pocket wank when the man, the idiot oh, man, who's like, you yeah. can have my AI lady. And yeah, but oh, he yes, thinks he he's by himself. And yeah. then whoever creeps oh. up and he's got his hand in his pocket. Poc- I need to write top 10 pocket wanks in the movies. <laughs> 
Yep. What for work? Yeah, why not? <laughs> that would be click, honestly. Yeah, all right, fine. Yeah, that would. I'd. I'd read that. That's master clickbait. <laughs> oh, that's good. There you go. You got your subhead in. <laughs> write it now. And that's uh, no, don't write it now. Uh, <laughs> and that's us uh, done. Uh, the West End premiere of this play uh, was in two thousand and five at the Haymarket. Uh, do you want to know some of the people who played the roles? Rob Lowe. Uh, was in yeah. the Kathy role. Okay. Friend of Aaron Sorkin. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Saran Jones was in the Demi Moore. Oh, I love her. Yeah, she's a good yeah. actress. Uh, and uh, in the Kevin Bacon role, uh, John Barrowman. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, and finally, Fifth. as Jessup, uh, I had to look this guy up because I, I, I never saw the show that he was very big on. Uh, it was uh, a guy called Jack Ellis, who was the villainous prison officer, Jim Fenner, in the TV series Bad Girls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know Oh, that. I fucking loved Bad Girls. Yeah, I liked that program. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I didn't. I don't know what it is, but it, I, you know, it's the expression on it's, your face is kind of scary. I'll be honest, <laughs> Alex. It, it feels quite Vicky. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a good time for ITV back then, though, wasn't it? You got your cracker. You got your bad girl. You know what bad girls is, don't you? No, it's women in prison. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's our prisoner cell block. I just said prisoner cell block eight. Yeah, it's really tacky and great and fun. It was good. It was good. Mm. And Footballers' Wives. Man, what happened to this programming? Oh, remember that? Remember yeah. Footballers' Wives? <laughs> <laughs> remember Footballers' Wives? <laughs> Fuzzy felt. <laughs> <laughs> right. Shall we do the bits? Mm, yes. Okay. Uh, we'll do this one very quickly. Uh, what's the scene? I, I have, I've tried. I tried really hard to think of something else, but I can't. Mm. Wow, I've literally written down. I tried really hard to pick something else, <laughs> but it would have been disingenuous. Yeah, mm. I wrote. I'm almost tempted to pick the lunch at Guantanamo, but it's the opening scene. scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's that final scene. Yeah, uh, with Jessica and Kathy. Yeah. Okay. MVW. I think this may be another easy one, but I might be wrong, Chris. Yeah, I'm not going down that route uh, because I, I think Nicholson's the obvious one here. Yep. And then I was thinking, well, could anyone else have done this? And then I immediately wrote down Gene Hackman, hmm. little thinking that we're going to do him on Thursday, and he's pretty good in that, and that he beat him to the Oscar on this year. I hadn't even realised that, and I thought Gene Hackman would have nailed that in the same way Nicholson nailed it. And so, uh, because MVW the- is Gene Hackman. <laughs> <laughs> That's so obtuse, Chris. <laughs> it's just like you. <laughs> So I'm picking uh, Aaron Sorkin. Uh, what a way to come out the gates. And, you know, sometimes maybe one example is better than three. But, um, yeah, it's just a, it's just such a fun script. And it's a two and a quarter hour movie and it doesn't feel like yeah. half that. So Aaron Sorkin is mine. OK, Aaron Sorkin, I basically did mine. It's definitely Jack Nicholson for me. It's Jack Nicholson for me, but I, I would only ever, only otherwise, choose Tom Cruise because he's very, very good. Yeah, he is. He's fantastic in this film. Yeah. Um, and he, and he, you know, it got overshadowed at the time and probably still is by what Nicholson brings to the table. But that doesn't work if Tom Cruise isn't matching him blow for blow. Exactly. Yeah. So, Jack Nicholson. Okie dokie. Finally, then. Interesting one this week. What are you going to change in this movie? Chris, no, V. You go first because you've. I think you've probably got quite a bit. I've got three. Is it, is it Galloway banging into stuff? <laughs> you can't keep undercutting Galloway. It, it becomes to me pathological. It's mm. there's something wrong with people when you look at the, what this character has done, and she's third billing on the post and whatever, and she's basically useless. So just pick one moment. Just don't make her look like a fucking idiot. Mm. Done. Um, when Jack Nicholson is taking the stand, could we put a st- a, something in front of him because you can see his legs and feet, and I think it makes him look weak. because <laughs> so, he looks like a normal man. Yep. Whereas when you can just see the top half of him, it seems more powerful in a weird way. But when you see his little feet on the ground, and he I- should have been wearing shoes. 
<laughs> and then the last one, which we've talked about, which is a big one. Shouldn't have painted his nails. <laughs> you can collapse Weinberg and Galloway. Yeah. I, I don't think Galloway hey. and Kathy should sleep together. I think Weinberg is redundant. Galloway's an expert. Weinberg's an expert. They both fail to do something. I, it just, I just but, collapse the characters. Yeah. No, but... But Galloway is totally supportive of these Marines and them following an order. Yep. Sam is is a very different thing. He thinks they're guilty. Yeah. So uh, you can't have a character that obviously has both those feelings. A lawyer can have multiple feelings about their clients. That 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 is a brilliant scene where she's like, "Why do you love them? Why do you hate them?" But you can give it with clever writing to Kathy and Galloway. I believe that. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Probably not though, because Galloway's got a hand caught in a toaster. <laughs> And her hair's gone all sticky up. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, get me out of here. <laughs> okay. And uh, <laughs> what have I done this time? <laughs> uh, Chris, what's your change? I'm not sure about this, all but right. I've written it down. Um, I wonder how the film would play if you remove Jessup's first scene, the one where he hears about Santiago, the one where you like with J.T. Walsh and Keith mm. Sutherland. Oh, it? I agree with you because you you know he's a liar. Yeah, mm. and, and so th- the information we need comes out in the lunch and yeah. comes out in the trial at the end, but it puts us ahead yes. of the protagonist. And so I think if you pull that out, yeah, I, agree I guess they, they want their money's worth from Jack. Yeah, but I, I think the film works without it. And I it, totally and agree. Yeah. It undercuts it a bit, doesn't it? Because we already know when they get to lunch and he's like, "Well, I told him to go home," exactly. and it's like, "Oh, but you didn't," so we so, know you're about. Yeah. So why don't we drip feed that throughout the script instead so that we come to it more slowly? Yep. Yeah. Good. I agree with you. Thank you. Yep. I wasn't sure there. Uh, well, mine pales into comparison uh, pales in comparison uh, to that. That's a great change. Uh, you said I, it, you said wish it was a bit shorter. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a smidge. Just a little bit. Just Half drag, an hour. Drags on. Uh, no, uh, I really just hate one line, uh, which isn't any of the ones that we discussed. I, I hate, Wow. I'm sexually aroused. Yeah, I just gross. don't think a human being ever says that. Mm. Even even in the confines of a movie, it feels stupid. It's just it's just weird. You and just I don't think you'd say that to anyone ever. Like even as a joke. Wow, I'm sexually aroused. Yes. And I pull out that line when when uh, Weinberg's talking about them being bullies, and then she says, "Well, I like them because they're on a wall and they protect me." It's way too on the nose. What does she say? Like not tonight or something? Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Like, yeah. Okay. Nah. Not on my watch. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> You're safe. Safe, sweetheart, something. <laughs> yeah, ruffles her head. <laughs> uh, right then, that is us done on A Few Good Men. Uh, oh, I forgot nearly. Maybe because I don't want to do it anymore. No, oh, I've just lost. baby. I've lost a couple of times. I'm Go ritually humiliated. Quiz. Almost weekly. Quiz, it's fine. I, I want to do it. I did just forget to write it down. Quiz. What did I say last week? I don't know. No quiz this week. Oh, great, good. Because so, so you could you could have relaxed. I'm Why? relaxed now. Why? Okay. Why even you? Because uh, we're doing something different. So, um, uh, I said that when we hit 2,000 followers on Twitter, what should we do? I put it out. Oh wow! Okay. To the followers, right. and uh, they <clears throat> came back with a bunch of suggestions. What we should do? This is a while ago now, but we've not all been in the same room. And then I had a quiz prep last week. So, these are some suggestions of what we could do. And you know what? We're coming up on an anniversary or a thing soon. So. Have a think. I want you to react to these. Um, so, okay. Lara Jackson says we should do the original Star Wars trilogy. Yes, yes. Do I point? <laughs> that point? I reacted first. <clears throat> uh, the correct answer is no. We don't have time for a three-way anymore. Anymore. <laughs> We're too busy. Um, online listener quiz from Robert Farley. Okay. What, like a live? Yeah, do one on Zoom or something. You want to do oh. that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to me, it sounds like too much work, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm not opposed to that. I'm sort of, 
I'm more into the Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. But well, I understand the three-way situation, but yeah, okay. Along those lines, Kuta says we should do 100 Days of Sodom versus a Serbian film. No, absolutely not. I I don't want to see those. I don't want to see a Serbian you film You told me, again. yeah, about that. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it makes me sad. Uh, Russ says we should devote an entire episode to stories about who was nice to interview and who was shocking. I mean, we could do the first bit. We probably couldn't do the second exactly. bit. Also, I wouldn't be there, but that's fine by me. If we are still doing this pod when Chris and I retire, then yes, we will absolutely <laughs> do that episode. Hundred percent. When we never song. have to work again. Burn, burn, burn it down, yeah. like John Wick. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had lots of requests linked to the number two thousand. So Strange Days, mm. set in two thousand, two thousand and one, Blues Brothers two thousand, Death Race two thousand, two thousand one versus two thousand and ten, Blues Brothers two thousand versus Fantasia two thousand. Um, yeah, we want to do Strange Days. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'd i watch 2001 versus 2010. Yeah, that would be all right, wouldn't yeah, it? Because yeah. people say, I've never seen it. People say 2010 is more entertaining. It's way more entertaining. Is it? Way more entertaining. Okay. Yeah. And Roy Schneider's in it. Okay. Roy, Roy Schneider. Yeah. All right. All right. That's a good one. All right. Roy Schneider. Roy Schneider. Yep. Um, Mandela effect again. Do you think? Yeah. Tibbs suggested we do homemade recreations revolving around each of your suggested changes to the films previously clashed. Like act them out? Yes. Okay. What? <laughs> he wants us to act out our changes. Okay. Like on stage somewhere? I, I guess on camera, yeah. At home, maybe. At home? <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking well, you of, are, you, are you pitching yourself as a nomad these days? <laughs> Home. I live on the road. Speaking of... Home that. is wherever I lay my hat that night. Uh, yeah, I think that's good. Let's do it as part of a live show, though. OK. Speaking of recreation, Scott Evanson says we should uh, do the Top Gun uh, beach volleyball scene together. Yeah, fine. Yeah? No, I won't be in it, obviously. Well, no, that's... <laughs> Don't answer for us. Oh, and there's some ladies. Oh, no, there isn't, is there? No, be, there's you, no women in that you'd be, scene. You'd be... They're watching. You'd be Alex's goose. <laughs> yeah, you will get me killed, 100%. Absolutely. And I'll be ice. <laughs> um, Steve Dare says, buy us all a pint. The, the Twitter people, yeah. buy, their, buy them all a drink. Buy 2,000 Buy 2,000 drinks, okay. Really? No, I'm, we, I'm processing. We don't charge... A I, did you see how quiet I went at the, <laughs> the prospects of buying around? I just went silent. That's my trick. Also, we don't charge a penny for this. We haven't done so for three years and we owe them a pint? Chris, you sound bitter. It yeah. needs to come the other... Uh, no, yeah. lager, please. Buy us 2,000 pints. Don't buy us 2,000 pints. Because we will feel obliged to drink them all. Uh, Neil Redden says, celebrate with another bottle of Merlot. Right, yes. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Let's do another drunk show. Because okay. <laughs> they they don't come with a massive amount of anxiety the following day. <laughs> I'm not, I've am not. i never listened to Eight-Legged Freaks. Um, Mark Shea says, pub celebration followed by alcohol-fuelled recreations of favourite film scenes in car park, post on social media, <laughs> uh, may or may not include slightly too realistic mock fight. <laughs> We've I mean, have a fight in a car park. We've ticked that box. We've done it since we, we did do that, that every week. Uh, Bones360 says go all in. Okay. It means so many no, different things. it doesn't. It means one thing. <laughs> and it doesn't mean what you mean. I can't do it, so... No, you can, because it doesn't mean that. You know they're making this full Monty TV show, like right. a sequel with the cast. It's like a proper, you know, where they are now. Yeah. They'll be looking for notes. I'm, yeah, I bet. I'm, no, I, I might do, get to do the junket, and I can literally ask... Oh, my God, thank God! Mark Addy. Put it to bed once and for all. It's going to be a weird question. How do I frame that question? 
Mickey, how do I frame that he's question? A, he's an adult. <laughs> he's an adult, and he will completely respect you if you go when you said all in. Which I'm G- all no, in. Genie. Let, let Vicky I'm say all, it. Genie. I'm all in. Tired. It's gone in. Was the genie <laughs> back in the bottle? <laughs> it hasn't gone in. He said, I'm all into this relation. He means no, I'm all in. Was the boy in the barracks? The of his voice, you robot. <laughs> he says, Genie, I'm all in. Yes, Which one that's implies, that's implies that that's a thing. Yes, exactly. That men do. Yeah. We don't pop it in. <laughs> and it never sort of, it never retracts to the fact that it is all in. I didn't know that when is I this watched what, the Is this what Mark says to you sometimes? <laughs> I can't believe we're on this again. <laughs> oh, for God's uh, sake. Finally, my favourite one. Uh, Matt says we should record an episode from the submarine. <laughs> That fucking submarine. There was when I went on holiday to Croatia. There was this beat-up submarine thing. Why don't you just leave it? I I have left it. Well, you haven't. Well, I didn't suggest it. All right, fine. Um, I was going to send you a picture. It says it was like this knackered thing. Twelve euros to go on this submarine. I was like, that's more like it. I was going to send you a picture. It'd be like, will you pay for me to go on this submarine right now because I'm on holiday? Uh, But we are coming up. We are coming up to what iTunes reckons is our three hundred episode right so maybe we enact one of these then okay let's okay. discuss it in the pub you do know we do two episodes a week uh and we've been going for over three years so mm. it, itunes is wrong it's because we list. i know that's why i said itunes reckons fine all right fuck it. <sighs> it's in the wording all right then next week uh let's look ahead it's vicky's choices what is the clue victoria the clue is the lads have got all dolled up. The lads have got all dolled up. Lovely clue. There'll be another one coming your way on Twitter, courtesy of Chris. And that is it for this episode. Until then, please do tell your friends about us. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe and then strong arm them into subscribing as well and then force them to listen to us. It's a really good show and we want them to listen to us. Your friends, tell them. <laughs> uh, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Check them with us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at ClashPod. We are back on Thursday where we are joining the firm. Speak to you then. Clash of the Titles is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.